Welcome to the Yes You Can podcast, a soft place to land for fit pros and aspiring entrepreneurs looking for a motivational cheerleader who's been through it all and believes your best life is about being brave and tapping into your magic. Hi, I'm Hannah Pratt, an online coach and vulnerability queen. I'm here ready to share my experiences through grief, life, and finding my place on the podium to help you level up. So grab a latte and a notebook and get ready to be inspired through the Yes You Can podcast. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Yes You Can podcast. I'm going to do a really short intro today. It's been a busy time. I, I don't know if you are just coming to this episode for the first time and you don't know me at all, or you've been a net listener from day one or somewhere in between, but I have been busy, busy delivering programs. And I don't wear that as a badge of honor, even though last episode was talking about hustle season. I am not in a place where I want a hustle season, but I was in a big delivery season. So Instructor Magic is my six-week online course, and we are just concluding that with an amazing, amazing group, the biggest cohort I've had yet, plus all of the previous cohorts. So that's more than 240 instructors and fit pros who are in that Facebook community. And it's amazing. And I've been wanting to update the video. So I added a whole bunch of things, added a whole bunch of resources, updated, re-recorded things. And it was amazing. I also have my my group coaching program for creatives and service providers and entrepreneurs who want to market themselves, sell their services and leverage those services into a group coaching program. So I've been delivering and supporting those people. And then I have clients who I actually create, like do do stuff for in the way of social media and marketing where I'm actually running social media or writing pieces, writing grants. Um, I have these kind of secret one-on-one clients and March was just a time when it was all converging together. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's that's enough of that. I also created a new free guide that is your five posts for social media. It is a marketing guide for fitness professionals, but anybody who wants to build their personal brand. And as I tend to do, I did like way more. More is more is more. You can download that guide, by the way, in the show notes if you are wanting, if you ever feel like you don't know what to post on social media and you don't know how to grow your audience. This is a really great introduction into some of the practices I teach both inside Instructor Magic and inside a Total Launch Formula. This episode today, though, is is perfect timing because I am interviewing Krista Gurka, who is the founder of Pilates in the Grove and is also a coach for boutique fitness professionals, studio owners specifically, and the host of the Female Empowered podcast. And Krista and I met in a group coaching program that we were both in. And it was really interesting because I was like, you know what, we actually have very complimentary audiences. So I uh, recorded an episode for her podcast and she is on my podcast today. And if you are a studio owner or you want to own a studio, I cannot recommend her, her podcast and want this specific episode enough. She spills everything from the things she wished she knew to what it takes to get your time back, how to structure your business, how to ensure you're profitable. It, it honestly is a true masterclass, which is why I'm calling it a masterclass in the podcast episode. But if you are not somebody who owns a brick and mortar business currently, it's still an amazing episode on the topic of leadership. We talk about how to hire. We talk about managing people. We talk about systems and processes. And like, honestly, it can be applied to anything. I've been leading people for 10 years almost and teams and managing and mentoring. And so we really 
jived and were completely like agreeing with each other in a lot of the points of our conversation and on the podcast episode that she's going to release too. So I'm not going to go on too much longer because I really want you to get into this episode, but it is a masterclass. And if you're anything like me, I will re-listen to episodes. So make sure that you save this. Final request, I would love it if you would share this episode or leave me a rating and a review. It really does help. And I am at three years of my podcast. I want to really lean into creating more episodes. I do this all on my own. And so it'd be so, so helpful to me if you could help me make sure more people who need episodes like this can hear them. Okay, everyone. Welcome, Krista Gurka, to the Yes, You Can podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today, Krista. Thanks so much. I really enjoy being here. I look forward to chatting with you. Okay. So for everybody else, Krista and I already recorded an episode for her podcast, which I'm very excited to come out. We talked a lot about uh, instructors specifically, development and all that stuff. And today for the Yes You Can podcast, we're going to be talking about studio owner stuff. And Krista is the best person to talk about this because she owns two locations of Pilates in the Grove. She also has a coaching business and she supports studio owners, boutique fitness studio owners from everywhere from the getting started to the wanting to scale to seven figures and above. And so I've been like waiting to talk about studio stuff with somebody who is an expert like Krista, because there's so many things that go on behind the scenes that a lot of clients won't even realize. And so if you're a studio owner, this is the episode for you. Now, Krista, can you tell us a little bit about your story? I know it in in and out in terms of becoming a boutique fitness studio owner, but then to starting your coaching business. How did you get started in this space? Sure. I will. Um, I'll give you kind of like the abridged version, but mm-hmm. I consider myself an accidental entrepreneur. So I never had that modeled for me growing up. I was raised by a single mom who never went to college mm. and who is a immigrant from Cuba. And so when I was growing up, I I loved I was a physical therapist by degree. And so I was working in a Pilates based physical therapy practice. Okay. And I thought that we had all these patients that really loved the method. And when they were done with therapy, we were referring them to studios around the city. This was mm-hmm. back in know, like 2006, 2007. And I just thought, I think I mentioned it in a meeting one day. I was like, that's so, it just seems so silly. We have all this built-in clientele. It would be great if we could maximize that and offer this as a service. And my owner at the time, my, that owned the PT practice was like, do you want to do it? I was like, what do you mean? I don't know what that means. And he's like, do you want to open a studio? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, so that's how it started. My very first studio opened in 2008. So if you know anything about what's happening, what was happening in the United States in 2008, that mm-hmm. was like, an, uh, yeah, it was a hot mess. There was in the middle of a crazy recession, but I was mm-hmm. young and broke and I didn't understand what that meant anyways. And so I opened a satellite studio, 300 square feet directly across from my clinic. And it was basically a side hustle because I was still working full time in the clinic and Mm -hmm. I threw in five reformers. And that's basically how it started. Um, My business, my PT boss at the time was my partner and actually two patients of mine who were really they were like the community. They had a really big stronghold in the community. We're like, we would love to do this with you. Mm -hmm. And they were not business owners either. They were moms from the community that 
were my patients. And that's how it started. We each put in $2,000, which when you think about it is crazy. So I started my first business with a $2,000 investment, $8,000 in total. And fast forward 14 years, we're a eight-figure business, not annually, but over like perpetuity. Um, mm-hmm. We're a seven-figure business annual with multiple locations. And that's it. Like kind of crazy. I love this story so much because it's like you saw this gap in the market. You had an audience that you were serving and you're like, why don't we just do this? This is going to be a better experience for our clients and just sort of made it happen in a time when it wasn't easy. Um, But I think what's most impressive is the longevity of your business. (laughs) Like you would know better than anybody else that fitness studios, I'm seeing it every single day in the Facebook groups I'm in for instructors, for fitness studio owners, people who come through Instructor Magic that like times are tough. And especially during pandemic, when obviously doors had to close, it's the fact that you've been open for 14 years and are thriving is means you're doing something right. And you have a, a really specific system that I'm excited to talk about today to give people who are either currently studio owners, and I know there's a ton who listen to this podcast, or are thinking about getting into it, how to make that passion that they have actually profitable. Um, yeah. And so let's talk about that first, and then we'll just kind of riff on, on everything. Go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, one of the things I, I want to say is I hear this from people a lot now because I do help mentor other business owners. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's not I don't have an MBA. I don't come from money or financial. Like my my business was fully funded on my own. The reason I help is because I feel I have the knowledge now and and keeping it inside me does does nobody any service, right? Mm-hmm. So a ri- I really believe a rising tide raises all ships. And so mm-hmm. if I can teach, you know, like you, your people in Instructor Magic, how can you do one thing better? It makes all of us better. Yeah. So it's just because I have years now that I can, you know, help other people with with information that I've gathered. So mm-hmm. I don't have a coach. I'm doing this in air quotes. Like I don't have a coaching certificate. Mm-hmm. I don't have an MBA. I, it's literally, what do they call it? It's just like organic growth. And I think some part of me, like not knowing what I didn't know almost helped me a little bit at the beginning because I was mm-hmm. like, all right, we made 100000 this year. That's amazing. Like I never in my wildest dreams thought that we would generate $300,000 in revenue. Like that mm-hmm. seems a fallacy. So I think as business owners, you should look at your business like a business. Mm-hmm. What's going to keep you afloat in profit? And in sustainability, because you can be profitable, but be running yourself into the ground. And for me, that's not do I don't I mean, I did that for a while and I was miserable. I was Mm -hmm. unhappy. My family was unhappy. You know, I was like, this is not what I want for my life. And I decided to change that. But then also you can have a sustainable business model that's not profitable. And Mm -hmm. That's a hobby to me. Like, I don't get like to me now that doesn't mean you don't have to have a ton of profit, but at least you're paying yourself because if you're not paying yourself, I don't like go work for someone else and make money. Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. I don't see why you work 80 hours. I say this entrepreneurs are the only people that will leave a high paying job working 40 hours a week to work 80 hours in a job and not pay themselves. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's so true. And expect that at some point it's just going to fall into place. Like I think that that's what I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs with in my my own launching program is like, it's like you, you so you're hustling, things are moving, but you're not seeing profit, you're seeing high revenue and you don't know like how to tweak those numbers or like how to right. dig into the math of it and understand your conversions or understand where you're have this leaky bucket of expenses that are unnecessary. And as somebody who's pretty risk adverse with brick and mortar type of businesses and the product, like physical product-based businesses, I work in the digital product space and I'm like, there's the profit margins are super high. So for, for those who have a physical studio and understanding, you know, going from somebody that maybe loved teaching classes, loved the community to then wanting to do one on their own. I can imagine that there's a big knowledge gap in figuring out all the things that they don't know when they're just starting out. And I know you have, you help people like in the first three years of business and then the four to 10, because there's, yeah, I'm sure there's very different things that people need to know to just like get it going and stay afloat. And Mm -hmm. then actually doing things like you do, which is, you know, going to the studio, maybe 10 hours a week if you want and still getting seven figures in revenue. Are there things? I think that's a great, great question. And here's what I want to tell people too. I mean, I'm a hustler and a grinder. I'm a Gen X kid. Our parents just were basically like, figure it out, dude. You're bleeding from the head, figure it out. So (laughs) that's also in my nature. Now I don't, so I, I don't say that you're never going to hustle. Hustle mm-hmm. is part of the process, but you shouldn't be hustling for 10 years. Like at some point, it's think about it. I mean, you're a spin instructor. So think about a road bike, right? If you're on a road bike, you don't climb or even a, as a spin. Now, I'm not a spin instructor. So if I'm saying something wrong, just you can jump in and crack me. But you're not going to climb a hill the whole class. Yeah. Right. You're going to climb a hill at some point, but then at some point you should be cruising and should Mm. allow the momentum to drive you. And I think of business that way, right? Mm. I like to equate business like an airplane. So if you think of business like an airplane, your cockpit is you you as your CEO and maybe anyone else you have on your team, your executive team. Mm. You're the body of the plane, which is the largest part of the plane is basically your operations. Mm-hmm. right? They usually cost the most amount of money. So for a, an online business, maybe you're driving like a nice private plane or there's not a whole lot of luggage in the plane, right? Mm-hmm. So it costs less. Your one engine is sales, the other engine is marketing, and then your wings are your product, mm-hmm. right? Now, if any part of the plane is too heavy, it's going to sink to one side. So what you have to do is get all of that to kind of work. So it flies in the air, right? And every piece has to work. What a lot of times happens in this industry is that most of us go into business as a technician. Mm-hmm. Maybe we were an instructor, a spin instructor, a bar instructor, a Pilates instructor. And all of a sudden we're like, I think I could do this on my own. If one of my favorite books is called The E-Myth uh, by Michael Gerber, I think it's that. I, I, don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure if we'll that fig- is it. But we'll figure it out maybe, and put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. But um, basically, he talks about it as like an entrepreneurial seizure. He's like, okay. most of these people weren't entrepreneurs. They just decided one day they were going to open. They were a baker. They love baking. They were going to open a bakery. Mm-hmm. So what happens when we do that is we're still so great at the service. We can, you know, we can teach a kick-ass class. We can provide an amazing intro session to get people to come back. 
but there's so much more that goes into running a business. Mm -hmm. And then people say all the time, well, I'm not good at business. Well, it's not that you're not good at business. You just haven't learned that yet. You didn't jump on the bike the first time you ever decided you wanted to become a spin instructor and have all of your choreography down, your energy down, the beats per minute. You didn't Mm -hmm. have that the first time. So you got to give yourself a little grace. You can, we can all learn sales. We -hmm. can learn marketing. We can learn management. We can learn leadership. We can learn finances. All of that we can learn. Mm -hmm. And so if you just set up processes of what do I need to focus on today, this year, this quarter, and then what am I going to do next and ask for help? Okay, so the things that we focus on a lot when I start working with business owners is I say, one, what do you want from your business? So like, what is your why? Why do you get up in the morning to do this? And it's not to make money. That's not that you can't want to make money. Of course you want to make money. You need Mm -hmm. money to make money. But it has to be about more than that because when it gets hard and it will get hard, it needs to be about more than money. Okay. So for me, for example, Pilates in the Grove, the reason we founded Pilates in the Grove is more bodies doing Pilates so that they can continue to lead the active lifestyle they want. Mm. Right. And so for me now, as a spin instructor, your why could be relatively similar. I want more bodies on the bike so that they can be strong and active outside of the studio. Mm -hmm. Your modality is spin. My modality is Pilates, Mm -hmm. right? So it's about more than the method. Mm -hmm. My why and why I started the coaching business is because I want more women in boutique fitness and wellness to have profitable, sustainable studios so that they can be financially independent. That's Mm -hmm. my why. Yeah. Why is that? I was raised by a single mom who didn't go to college who came to this country at 15, not speaking the language. She had to work a lot mm-hmm. to create, a, you know, all three of us went to college. My brother has a PhD. He went to Duke. I have my master's degree. I went to Michigan. My sister, I love my sister to death. She graduated from college. She's a mom. She has 11 children, my sister. Oh, my God. Amazing. Amazing woman. Super smart. She's my executive assistant. So. Mm-hmm. We all create, but my mom didn't have as many options as I do. Mm-hmm. I want to create a system for women. If they want to go into the studio 10 hours a week, they can choose that. If they want to work full-time in the studio, they can choose that as well. There's choices out there that we, yeah. but so you have to know where you want to go before you can set out on your journey. Yeah. I think that that's super important, like the purpose and we we talk about that in our motivation and a ride, you know, we talk about purpose and passion and impact and all these things. And I, the, the financial independence part, isn't something that you necessarily equate to or assign to like, this is why I have this business to help Mm -hmm. women become financially independent so that they can affect their communities and feel free and have choices and have options and give back. And I love the Rachel Rogers. I I love her in general, but um, she talks about she wants women to be millionaires so that they Mm -hmm. can make a bigger impact on their communities through philanthropy, through everything, have 
and like impact the world. And it's, it, you get goosebumps when you talk about this because it's so much bigger than having a business that serves clients through, you know, just a spin class or just Pilates mm-hmm. or whatever. It's, it's a much bigger mission. And I think that that will bring people back on the days that it's hard. I always say, uh, fuck yes or no, the Mark Manson mm-hmm. quote. And it's like, once you understand what your fuck yes is, it'll bring you back on the hard days. Even yeah. it doesn't mean you're going to be pumped every day. It's not yeah. like when you get a, a cranky client or somebody who's, you know, not happy about your cancellation policy or something like that, but it's going to bring you back into your purpose um, when it's really hard. Yeah. And there will be hard days. Mm-hmm. There can't be great days if there's not hard days, right? There, And I believe that when you get better, the universe then sometimes sends you more days because you've now developed the skill set to deal with them, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have days where your best team member is going to say, you know what, Jane? I've loved working here. It's time for me to go. Mm-hmm. And is that going to suck in your head? Yeah, but you know what? It can also be that you had a, a a small part in that person's journey. I just was having coffee with someone literally today. I just came from there. And a, an employee that left that resigned, they just chose, they didn't want to continue their journey with us. Kate walked in. I didn't run and turn the other way. I was like, hey, how are you? I just saw mm-hmm. on Instagram, you got married. Congratulations. Oh my God, say hi to your husband. I'm so happy to see you. How's everything? Are you good? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just happy. That's okay that she didn't want to cho- continue her journey with us. That's okay. It's mm-hmm. fine. You know, I used to take it very personally that it was mm-hmm. about me. And like, eh, you want to work with someone else? You don't understand what I'm giving you? That's ego-driven. Mm-hmm. That's not an emotionally mature reaction. And so mm-hmm. I had to learn to work on that. And I firmly believe this. I really do. If we put more money in the hands of more women, they will have a stronger impact on their community. Because women supporting women, supporting others in their community will have a way greater impact. And also what amazing role models they're being for their children or nieces or nephews or community involvement. And so I believe the better, and then again, if I can help you know, someone that's running a spin studio in California, be more profitable, go get more people doing spin, get more people being active. My impact becomes greater mm-hmm. because now they have a greater impact. Say they open three studios. Again, that's how we raise the tide, right? Yeah. That's how we have more people. Cause I do believe that. That's why I love this industry. We should have an active lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? And just because we get older doesn't mean that we can't be active. Right. And mm-hmm. so if I can have a small part in allowing just the world in general to have better physical strength, emotional strength, mental strength to do the things that they want well into their 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, that's a win win. Yeah. And I love that we talk we're talking about like freedom. We're talking about impact on the world. And that can only start when you have a super well run business and when you have systems and processes and you have such great resources on your podcast to talk about everything from 
hiring and being a leader in your business and making sure you have the right people in different positions and understanding their roles and responsibilities and having metrics to actually measure their success in each role, which I think is super important because again, a lot of people are going to be coming potentially from a technician or instructor role where they've never led a team and they don't know how to hold somebody accountable and be clear with communication and have it in those crucial conversations. Um, and so what are some like, you know, as we talk about the framework and and what helps a business be profitable so that they can have a bigger impact on the world. What are some mistakes that you see some business owners making in their first few years of business that they should maybe spend some time on? And I know we have some questions from Instructor Magic students who are like, help, I'm hiring my first person. I think like that management is is something that a lot of business owners get tripped up on. And what are some, maybe some mistakes you see in that, in that area? That's a great question. And I think managing people is probably the hardest thing. I think at least in my experience, it's been the most challenging and most of the women that I speak about managing people, because it's a different skill set. That is a, and not everyone has that skill set, right? So managing people is a very different skill set than being a technician. Yeah. Okay. So um, some of the things we talk about, we just actually, we had our group call on Monday for one of my groups and we talk, we spoke a lot about hiring. Some mm-hmm. women in those groups are hiring the, their first hire. And so there's, there's, there's a process that I use that I call um, delegate and elevate. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is from Traction. I use the EOS system, which is entrepreneurial operating system. That's from the book Traction. Um So they talk about delegate and elevate. So one of the things that I have business owners do right from the beginning is what are the, so we, it's like in a four, think of a a T, right? Mm -hmm. So you have four quadrants. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the top and the bottom right quadrant. So let's talk about the bottom right quadrant or all the things you do as a business owner that you are either one, not good at, or two, do not want to do anymore. Mm -hmm. So lots of business owners do their own website. That's great at the beginning, saves money. But if you're, this is the way that I equate it. If you could teach a class that generates, I don't know, let's say people are paying $25 for the class. And let's say you have, I don't know, even just 10 bikes in the studio, right? Mm-hmm. $250 they could generate for that class. But they're spending that hour updating their website for $250 an hour, technically. If you paid a website designer with your skill set $250 an hour, you'd probably fire them because <laughs> they should have a better skill set to build a website. So mm-hmm. these are the things that you need to think about creating graphics. Um, Maybe returning emails and phone calls, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Posting on social media. I think that as business owners, we should be doing the revenue generating things, which may be, depending on where you are in your business, maybe it is being on the bike in the front of the studio, Mm -hmm. right? Teaching a class. Maybe it is being out in the community, being the growth person. So right now for Pilates in the Grove, I am the visionary of the company. I am the growth strategist. Mm -hmm. I come up with ideas. Now, when I started, did I do everything? Yes. Okay. But at some point you have to move away from that. Mm -hmm. Now, the objection people say all the time is 
I can't hire, I can't afford to hire somebody. I would say you can't afford not to hire somebody. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. if you can hire an admin person, even five hours a week, doesn't have, that's the other thing. I think people think, oh, if I have to hire someone, I have to hire them 40 hours a Mm -hmm. week. No, you can hire an admin person for five hours a week. Let's even say on the high end right now in 2023, you pay them $20 an hour on the high end, right? That's a hundred hour, that's a hundred dollars an hour. If that person saves you five hours and you can teach five additional classes that you can generate $250 an hour mm-hmm. in, you just made over a thousand dollars. Or yeah. what if they gave you five hours of your time back that you could spend with your kids or work on growth and planning, go to a networking meeting? Or what if that admin person got on the phone or returned a phone call and sold one package? They've more than paid for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I I get that it is scary to make your first hire because finances might be low. But what if you could offload a percentage of your taxes, uh, uh, tasks for $100 a week? Mm-hmm. It's maybe we were just talking pre-show, editing a podcast. I don't do it any, at all anymore. And uh, again, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should Mm-hmm. be spending your money. It's the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule. Yeah. As business yeah. owners, you should be spending 80% of your time on 20 the 20% of tasks that are going to drive the business forward. Mm-hmm. You creating social media graphics is probably not going to necessarily move the needle in your business. Well, and I love what you said about like the, the growth. Are you the growth person? Are you the person that's going to be teaching the class, like what is going to be the best ROI on your time? And when we, I love to tell people that I coach in my, in my business coaching program, it's like, what is the thing that's going to free you up? So you can go do more sales calls. Maybe like, what is the thing that you cannot hire somebody to do in your place? Currently for me, that's this podcast, obviously that's showing up places that's being on calls, but I can hire somebody to repurpose my content to update my funnels, to do all the stuff that's still going to drive business. And what you're, I love the point you made about like making sure that it is, there's some metric associated with that. And so maybe if they're returning calls or returning emails, you know, like two people um, that within that conversation, you give them a script to talk about upgrading their package to a membership Maybe it's actually going outbound and adding to the emails you've got, those funnels, and saying, hey, we've noticed you're coming six or seven times a month. Did you know that a membership would be a better fit for you based on your activity? And you have somebody on the phone and there's that personal relationship, but it doesn't need to be you, Krista, or me, Hannah, or anybody else doing that thing, um, partly because you want you want to be a community too, and it, you don't want to be the only person that somebody is looking to chat to. Um, but having that metric, I think is really is helps people see the math of it. And so the revenue is going to increase if you do this correctly, mm-hmm. if you just do it like a nice to have, oh, this is a rider or this is a person who wants to work at the studio and they, it's just going to be me offloading stuff that like, is it doesn't have any ROI on it. Then I, that's where I caution making a hire. I think strategic first hires are are amazing to free up that person, that visionary and allow you to be more of a CEO because that's, I imagine what you help a lot of business owners ascend to and get out of that like 
day to day folding the towels, you know, doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And you're absolutely right. There are tasks that now listen at any business at any point, I don't care where you are in your business, you're either going to spend time or money, Mm -hmm. right? At the beginning, when you're growing your business, most of us have more time than money. Mm -hmm. So we spend more time, right? We spend the time going out and talking to people. When I first started, I said yes to almost everything. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Now, as I've grown, I have less time. I can spend money. So do I have someone that edits my podcast? Yes. Do I have someone that writes my content? Yes. Do I have someone that sits at my front desk answering the phones? Yes. But I didn't start that way. I answered the phones in my studio forever, okay? What I would encourage people to do, that, and I did not do this, so I kind of had to backtrack myself, is I started, I think a lot of people start this way where we keep all of the information in our head, mm-hmm. not because we want to hold on to it, but because we're the one doing it and it's instinctive to us, especially as owners. The best thing you can do is if you want to scale your business to be on especially a brick and mortar, to be on six figures, at some point you need a team. And mm-hmm. by team, I think people get mis- get confused. It could be one person 20 hours a month, mm-hmm. five hours a week, but you're going to need help, okay? So the sooner you can start to get these processes out of your head, and whether they be onto paper or into some sort of digital platform mm-hmm. where it says, Literally, the process for answering the phone says, we want you to answer the phone before the third ring. Mm -hmm. How you answer the phone is, hello, thanks so much for calling Pilates in the Grove. This is Krista speaking. How may I help you? Okay. And you can give them a script of like, okay, if they say this, ask them this. We are very much, we talk about asking permission-based questions. Mm. So things like, um, oh, would it be okay if I asked you to a few questions? Mm-hmm. Let them say yes. And then you start because there's a whole sales process. As soon as they start saying yes, they're more likely to say yes, yeah. all of these things. Um, so creating those systems and then recognizing that they can be improved upon later, later mm-hmm. on. But then when you hire people, it's easier to say, here is the process. Let's work on it because most of you, some of your listeners would are probably thinking, well, it's just easier if I do it myself. <laughs> yeah, it is. But that's also lazier for now. That's a lazier for and now. Yeah. And it's not going to be easier when you are looking around and you have a bunch of employees who are like, oh, I'm just ask anything. Krista or just ask yeah. Hannah or like coming to you time and time again. It's going to burn you out mentally and physically that you're going to have to be there and actually be the problem solver. Instead yeah. of taking the time up front to be like, okay, when I'm, I mean, and there's so many, there's so many platforms, especially if you're doing admin work. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorites is called Tango and it will literally screen record what you're doing. It's how I train my, my VA. Oh, I haven't person. heard of that. I'm going to write that down. It's called yeah. Tango. Tango. Yeah. And so you just start, you start it, run it. And every time you click somewhere, it takes a screenshot of that spot yeah, and will- it automate an SOP for you, remind yourself to turn it off because I've done that. And it's like this hundred step SOP, I'm like, Fuck. but wow. it's great for things like, especially if somebody has a digital platform of wow. running of videos, it's like, how do I download this and upload it? And what do I add for tags? And 
it's step-by-step and and you don't need to do anything. Just maybe make sure it's, it's accurate, but things like that will help you. Or maybe you actually take a video of like how to, again, like fold a towel or clean the space and keep that on in some sort of a manual that people need to go through before they can have their first shift by themselves or do anything else. But exactly. That's and how that you're able to say, get yourself out. Yeah. And I also agree in our industry, the onboarding system for a new employee is awful. Most mm-hmm. people are like, okay, great. You're a spin instructor. Here's your schedule. Go. Okay. Yeah. And the problem is then you come down, down the road, like three months and you're like, why are these people not performing? Well, mm-hmm. you didn't tell them what I, I would hope that they're a good spin instructor. You, you hired them, but you didn't tell them anything else. How do you want them to speak to the client? Mm-hmm. How do you want them to start the class? Do they need to be there before the class? Do they need, is your expectation that they're going to be there after? It would be wonderful if everyone could read our minds, but I'm telling you people, that's not a reality. So Mm -hmm. stop trying to get people to do that. It's important to have a clear onboarding system. And we actually have in our scheduling platform, like what we use for our process, we've created a a video course that is for new teachers. So when cool. they come in, they watch. So and I can see how much people have watched. So it and it has. They have to take an exam at the end of every one. So mm-hmm. it, it talks everything about this is our address. This now I have a different one for administrators versus um, uh, like in, I call them clinical, like client facing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have a rubric. It's very objective for how we assess our team. So Mm -hmm. if you're an instructor, there is a very clear rubric of how you get from your starting salary up to like a team leader salary. Mm. It's very objective. It's this is how we expect you to handle new clients. This is how, and it's like, so we have it scored. So the higher your score, Mm -hmm. the higher your salary will be. Right. And so it, it becomes real. They all know it. They know what they're being evaluated on. And so when they come to me and say, hey, I think I'm ready for a raise, we go back to their rubric. And I'm like, if this is where you want to be, these are the very next steps on how to get there. And Mm -hmm. how can I help you or how can our studio manager help you be more successful in that? It also takes the emotion out of it from Mm -hmm. a leader role. So it's not like, oh, would I actually really like that person a little bit? It takes the emotion out of it and it becomes objective. We also assess our team on behaviors. So if you show up for meetings, are you engaged in meetings? Do you align with our mission, vision, and values? Right? Mm-hmm. So they also get, I'm not, because you can have a really high performing instructor that from a culture perspective is not that great. Mm-hmm. And it's important yes. to me that both align. Yeah. Both align. That is so important. And I, I've, you know, you know my background in terms of marketing and working in corporate, and I've been the director in my business or in different organizations since 2015. And so I've learned a lot about managing teams and managing people. And one of the things I think is so important for hiring, and I'm sure you have things that you help people figure out as well, like what's the most important thing. I would rather have somebody who has an insanely high work ethic, who has a a strong maturity who is willing to own up to uh, like have accountability for what they do, who asks questions, who is 
you know, like the sports background of somebody who's like, you want to be coachable. I love hiring those people. I will hire that person as an intern and like keep them with me because they are so easy to, to have, and they develop and they add to the culture because they inspire others to step up to versus somebody who is toxic and maybe they have high class numbers, but is creating conflict or is making your job a lot harder as the leader. I'd like the snake rots from the head and I'm like, just cut, cut it loose. And I know a lot of other leaders have shared that, but I love that that's a part of your actual evaluation process um, to help people ascend into different leadership. And I totally agree with you, Hannah, on that. I would rather, I mean, I sometimes will hire people that are not even trained and I'll say like, you have the skills and the culture that, and, and the emotional intelligence that we're looking for. I can teach you everything else. Mm-hmm. I can teach you how to be a, an instructor. This other, these are, you know, people call them the soft skills. Like how do you talk to people? I think they're the hard skills because mm-hmm. those are skills you can't teach. They are innate in people. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it, we talk about our core values from the very first interview we bring people on. And I was a business owner that poo-pooed the whole core value thing forever. I was like, I don't know. That sounds so stupid. Uh." But now it's really when we finally got down to brass tacks and created our core values, everything we do in our business, everything, Mm -hmm. hiring, uh, disciplining, promoting, terminating, the clients, the marketing messaging we go after, everything we do aligns with our core values. So it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we want to do this promotion. Does that, where does that fit into our core value and how Mm -hmm. does that stick? And if it doesn't, you know, we don't do it. I, uh, this is so funny because I literally just yesterday wrote down my own core values for, for Hannah Rose PR, for Instructor Magic, for, for, how my team of two mm-hmm. <laughs> treats everything that we do. And one of the, and it was so funny because again, I felt the same way as you. It's like, I've been in so many companies where like, this is our mission and vision. It's like, okay, cool. And one of the, t- one of the organizations I worked for was <laughs> a professional football team. And I was the director of community relations. And our, our, the CEO was a former football player, business person. And so our three, like one of our three, missions or like three things within the mission were make memories, sell tickets and win games. <laughs> and I was like, I was part of the making memories and selling tickets team. The winning games was somebody else was responsible for. Mine was much more specific and it was like excellence in all things. And it speaks to, I'm like, I'm not going to churn out a new digital product, a new course that is not at a, at a certain level. And that mm-hmm. means for the VA, I need you to be rigorous in checking and double checking. We're not sending things out with grammatical errors. We're not doing that. And we're not sending out a, a social media post that isn't actually valuable. And I, when people are super clear on that, like I can recite those three. And so however you break that down for your staff, be like, this is what this means for you. This is what yep. this means for you. This is what this means for me. But we all have these guiding principles that help us make decisions and I think one of the things I loved about your podcast, which is very straight up, and I love that <laughs> on your website you call yourself a straight shooter because I am too. Yeah. <laughs> like cut through, cut through the BS here, is 
is transparency and managing expectations. And I feel like when we talk about policies, a recent episode you did was on cancellations. It's like managing expectations, transparency, communication helps alleviate a lot of the shit that business owners deal with as a result of not doing that. And so, I mean, I kind of like answered the question a little bit, but like in terms of being a leader and maybe even client stuff that you deal with, how are like... Can you speak to to maybe about that transparency and honesty and, and how you found it being helpful for you in being a 14-year brick-and-mortar business owner? Sure. I mean, there's been a long process, I will say. Um, I think also as business owners and, you know what, anyone who's a leader, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a manager on your team or anyone who has people reporting directly to them is leading people, right? So you Mm -hmm. don't have to be all the way at the top. Um, You have to, we have to work on our own self-awareness and our own emotional intelligence, okay? And that was one of the things I tell people, I say this all the time, the hardest transition for myself was stepping out of role of manager and really into role of leader, And I had to do a lot of inner work on myself for that because I was very reactive. Hmm. I lived in this flight or fight high, especially as a founder. We live in this like, go, 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 go. Keep moving the goalpost. Keep moving the goalpost. Never take your foot off the gas pedal. And I realized that it was doing my team a disservice because I could not sit in difficult conversations with people. I felt mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. I took everything very personally. I was very much wrapped into who I was because I was a business owner. And I had to learn. It took a lot of me saying, you are at cause for this. Mm-hmm. The reason everyone has to come to you for everything and you're irritated because nobody, and I'm putting air quotes again, if you're not watching, nobody can like do their job I created that system. Mm. So I didn't set clear expectations. I thought I did, but I didn't, right? Mm. I have to, we as owners have to put ourselves at cause sometimes and say, what role did I play in this environment? And if you're like, I didn't play any role, I train them, I talk to them, I work with them, then your role is that you're not letting them go, Mm. right? So- If there's stuff that you can learn, like maybe the onboarding process wasn't very solid. If your communication style, my communication style is very direct. Like we say, it's like very transparent, right? So I recognize that that may not be the best communication style to deal with my team members all the time. So what did I do? I put somebody else in that role. Mm. I I don't have to be the best at everything, right? So I had to work a lot on listening. Because good leaders listen more than they talk, for sure. Um, I had to get better at having the difficult conversations because I would have rather just swept them under the rug. I have to be okay holding people accountable, which is really hard, um, and not feeling guilty about it, okay? I am responsible for delivering the information in a clear, kind way. I am not responsible for another adult's emotional reaction to that communication. Mm. So I would put things off because I'd like, they're going to be upset. 
they're going to start crying. I don't want to have to deal with that. And so I wouldn't have those conversations. Now, as long as, again, my responsibility is to be as clear and kind as possible, right? I don't have to be an asshole about it. Mm -hmm. I am not responsible if they get upset by it. That's really helpful for people to hear, especially the kind part, because being honest and giving somebody feedback is kind. And it's I don't kind. know. If, yeah. I don't know if you've read the book Radical Candor. Candor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I have it somewhere on this pink side too. And it is, they talk about, the author talks about how giving somebody that feedback and not putting off a hard conversation is the kindest thing you can do to help them get mm-hmm. better, to help them be more self aware. And it it will probably feel uncomfortable at first, but you get better at it. And what I love what you do with business owners is you help them systematize their operations and talk like develop these things like policies to fall back on. So you don't, it's not coming out of nowhere. You know, it's not like, hey, giving somebody feedback and be like, oh, I didn't know when, if you have these things in place, you're pointing back to it and sort of reminding them and then documenting it so that you know that this person's not getting it and maybe you have to deal with it in a bigger way. But right, it's like, right. it's it's putting that stuff in place to help you. It's like your tools instead of, again, your recent podcast episode about cancellations. It's like, if nobody knows that there's a cancellation policy and they lose a class and it hasn't been in any emails, hasn't been in any text reminders, hasn't ever been told to them when they sign up, which are things you recommend doing, they're going to be pissed off, you know? Rightfully so. Exactly. Rightfully so, Yeah. Yeah. I always say when people are upset, there's a couple things going on. One, they're upset about something that has nothing to do with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. People have lives. Who knows? Maybe their car broke down on the way to the studio in the morning. Maybe their husband just told them that they were having an affair. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe they just found out their mom got diagnosed with cancer. Who knows? So there's something that has nothing to do with you is number one. And number two, There's two people involved in communication. There is the communicator and there's a receiver. And sometimes it's like a game of telephone. You may think that you clearly expressed it, but somehow they did not receive it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you just have to figure out what are the better ways to make that happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, if you fall, people all the time are like, I don't really have a policy. Well, if you don't have a policy, you can't hold people to something that you don't have a policy on. Well, exactly. And it's like, that's a learning lesson for you um, because it's going to be more uncomfortable. You can still make your decision either way of what you want to do, what's best for your business, but it's going to be a harder conversation and more of a subjective one, like you were talking about before, um, without without being clear about those expectations right up front. Even if they're in somebody's role, like description, if you're not having ongoing conversations about that, people forget. People forget all the Mm -hmm. time. We know that in marketing, we know that in business. And so maybe switching gears a little bit to your offerings and how you help people, I'd love to hear even some stories about people you work with, women that you work with specifically, um, because I know that you, you again, have those sort of three different like groups, the Mm -hmm. zero to one year, the one to three, the four to 10. I love, I have your website up here. It's like, how the hell do I get started? I feel like I'm asked that question a lot too. (laughs) And all the way up to the four to 10 of people who want to maybe be more of that CEO. So like, what are some, some, how can people work with you and what are those programs? What are the programs? Sure. So I usually say like zero to one year, I encourage people to just absorb my free content. So Mm -hmm. my podcast, it's called the Female Empowered Podcast. Um, 
tons of valuable information on there. And like you said, by the way, if you do listen to children, I recommend earbuds because I do curse a lot and a thing, but um, it just has really valuable things that are actionable that are, that I am doing that other business owners are doing that I have learned from industry experts. So it's really valuable. So podcast, um, I have some free courses on my website and then we start in real group coaching with, I call it the FitBiz Foundations program. It's like my signature business program for boutique fitness, wellness, and healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's video modules. It's basically B-school for health and wellness mm-hmm. people. So I took everything that I've learned in you know my mentorships and masterminds and trainings and basically put it together in a program that's very specific for this industry. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we talk about how do you create core values? We have exercises on how to determine your why, like what questions to ask, how to get your ideal customer. Okay, Mm -hmm. who is that person? One, they should want your service. And two, they should be able to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a lot of that going on. And all of that can change over time. We talk about messaging, finances, understanding all of these things. That program is usually for businesses that are uh, approaching their first six figures or maybe just beyond six figures. And they're really trying to get the structure in their business so they can grow. Mm-hmm. Some business owners, I'll tell you a couple stories that I just love. Some business owners are solopreneurs. So maybe it's just them and their business starting. Some have a few teams. Some of them are, it's a total side hustle. So they're like teaching spin out of a gym a couple days a week and they're working full time and maybe mm-hmm. even in a different career. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've had a couple businesses come in to this program. I had one last, yeah, 2022. And she was pregnant at the time with her second child. And she, I knew that she had another job, but I didn't realize that she was working 30 hours a week in her other job. I didn't realize it was that. I mean, that's basically full time. Yeah. And, and it is scary to leave that job. It's frightening. It's terrifying because you're like, that's a steady paycheck. I know what I'm getting there. Change is uncomfortable. But she, we eventually got her to feel strong enough to leave the other job. And within six weeks of leaving the other job, she had already had a $10,000 month. So she had already made, and then by the time she had to go on maternity leave, she had made enough profit that she could be off of work for three months without Mm. income and be able to stay home with her kids. So to me, that's like awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think that was me that made her have a $10,000 a month? I think it was a couple of things. I think it was, I gave her the runway to show her how many clients she needed to have Mm -hmm. to make up that revenue. That was number one. Number two, I said, by continuing to work, it's kind of like who do you hire first, right? Continuing to work in the 30 hours in this other job is preventing you from taking new clients. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. have any more time, right? Yeah. And then gave, giving her the confidence to stay, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You, I know it's scary. It is 100% scary. But we didn't, I didn't just tell her quit your job. I just said, we're look, look this is what we have to do. And within mm-hmm. a month, she filled those cl- that her schedule with other clients. So I'm not telling people, everyone quit your job. There should be financial steps and everyone's finances are different, Mm -hmm. but that's a great story. We had another business owner that was in the, in the group as well. She has a small team. She had 52% 
growth oh in God. the year that she joined our program. 52% growth. And so to me, I'm like, awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's our FitBiz Foundations program. And I'll be completely honest, our community is the best part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, women discussing with other women the struggles and the challenges. And on our call this past yesterday, actually, we had two people that were looking for like a part-time um, administrator help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you guys could share this person. Oh, yeah. Share this person. Each of them really needed five hours a week. And I was like, what if you found someone that really needed more than five hours a week and you guys just share the person? Mm-hmm. So the power of being in a group like that is great. Yeah. Um, and then my higher ticket offer is what we call our inner circle. Those are for women business owners that have surpassed $200,000, $250,000 in revenue. And they are really looking to fine tune the operations and, and systems in their business so that they as owners can step back from client-facing work, from day-to-day operations, and kind of be like me. Like, if you want to go into the studio and continue to treat, great, or teach, wonderful. If mm-hmm. you don't, you can still take home a six-figure salary without being in the grind so much. And that's a lot of more mindset situation, too. Diversifying your revenue streams. Mm-hmm. How can we diversify that? What is it that you want to do as an owner now? rather than what you have to do when you're first starting your business. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And the beauty I think of my programs is like you said, I'm still in it. I'm, I still operate my business. Um, I am a mom. I have two kids. I have a husband that travels for work. So I understand all of this stuff. And I've been fortunate enough that I have a team. Mm-hmm. I have a virtual assistant. I have a content strategist. I have a bookkeeper and an accounting firm. I have an operations director and the people in my group get access to all of them. Oh, so that's amazing. That's, really that's in itself. Great. Like, yeah, that's in, in itself. That's worth the investment. And I think, I mean, I, I know this to be true for me that coaching courses, investing in my education, my professional development has been, is a non-negotiable. Like no matter how big I get, and we, I initially heard of you because we were in a similar mastermind Mm -hmm. program. And I think we were maybe tagged. And then I saw you, your offboarding time was midway through, uh, when I was in and I started following you. And, and at some point I want to join, um, Claire Pell's get paid marketing. That's my next goal, Facebook ads and diving into that world. But like, you cannot see I've said this like five times in the past week. You cannot see the label from like within the bottle. You don't know even what you don't know yet. You don't even, especially for those business owners who are in the four to 10 and want to get out of it. I would assume a lot of them are so used to being in their certain role that they don't even know what's possible for them to do until they see somebody like you showing them that path. And so I cannot recommend it enough for anybody who's either struggling or who just wants a better life who wants to make more money, who wants to understand the, like Krista is also, we didn't even dive into this too much on this episode, but very data informed and metric based, which as a marketer is like my love language of understanding client retention and attraction and how to fine tune all those numbers. So um, I'm obsessed. I love your podcast. I love everything that you do. Is there any other messages you wanted to leave the listeners with today, especially those studio owners out there who are making it work in 2023? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate um, the connections 
online, which mm-hmm. is always great. Um, you know, what I would say to people is it's hard. This mm-hmm. is hard. If it were easy, everyone would do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, ask for help. There's there's nothing. Most people think asking for help, I did for a long time, showed weakness. Um, it's not true. Asking for help actually is a very strong thing. And mm-hmm. there are so many people out there that are willing to help you. So one, you can create the business that you want for yourself. It doesn't have to be what somebody else says. There's not one size fits all. And don't be afraid to ask for help. So just keep doing it. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, that's such a such a great message. And um, if anybody can say that with confidence, it's Krista, that you can build the business of your dreams and and live a beautiful, free life where you're making 100%. an impact on the world and only going to the studio if you want to, which is the best part. <laughs> All right, Krista. And so where can people find you um, to either book a call with you if they want coaching, if they're interested in any of your programs, where can they find you online? Awesome. I'm most active on Instagram. So I'm at Krista Gurka. You can DM me over there. I crack myself up with my reels. My kids think they're awful, but I make myself laugh. So, um, And then my website is kristagurka.com. And you can go on there. You can book a free discovery call with me. You can check out all of the ways you can work with me. Um, but if you really want to like DM me right away, you can go over to Instagram. Amazing. And the it's the Female Empowered Podcast, right? Yep. Female um, Empowered. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, go and binge all those episodes. She churns them out regularly. And it's my aspiration to do, do the same Thank thing. You. Every Tuesday. Every all Tuesday. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Krista. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening all the way to the end of the Yes You Can podcast. If you loved this one, I would so appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That lets others know that, hey, this is a good podcast and it's worthwhile to listen to. If you really loved it, make sure to share with somebody you love who could benefit from a little magic and motivation in their lives. Thanks so much, friends, and have a great day.